0: hi everyone this is pivot from new york magazine and the Vox media podcast network i'm kara swisher
1: and i'm Scott galloway and kara you sound like you're in an awful mood what can i do to help
0: <laughs> i just had a, i just took my son to college i'm a little tired i had a lot of meetings a lot of meetings today in new York. i'm in new york city yeah. Uh, I drove up uh, in, a, in a sealed vehicle and then I've been just getting my son a bunch of stuff. He needs all kinds of things like marshmallows and hot chocolate because he's got to be in quarantine for several days.
1: Hmm, That's right. He's back in school.
0: Yeah, he is. They're going to do hybrid classes, which is really exciting. Uh, so we'll see now that you all, all you NYU professors have gotten all your your shots, you better get back to school. That's all I got to say.
1: It's back to school.
0: Back to school. So anyway, so I'm, I got to drive down to Washington. I'm a little tired. I'll be honest with you. And I'm also interviewing uh, Ralph Macchio from The Karate Kid tomorrow. So I had to watch all the Cobra Kai's, which I did.
1: Ralph Macchio. Wow. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, Zuckerberg, Cook, that's one thing. But when you get to Macchio, you know you what? Have it's a ride. the biggest
0: hit on Netflix, my friend. This is it really is. interesting. A lot of these revival shows. And this one is wonderful, actually. It's a, it's a shockingly good uh, I don't know what it is. It's a revival. It's 20 years later, 30 years later. It's really good.
1: It's, it's really 80s good. music. Everybody loves 80s music. Everyone loves 80s. everything. It's not it's- just
0: that, because it could be hokey and terrible. It's really well done. It's incredibly well done. Anyway, it's a I'm- little
1: hokey. It's so I got to get
0: back to DC, which is which we like to call Fortress DC, uh, and hopefully they'll let me into the city. If as long as I'm not carrying, uh, you know, ammunition and munitions, which apparently all these people like drive there and can't believe they get caught with with a trunk full of guns and bullets. It's crazy.
1: That's shocking to me because as a as a group, they seem strikingly practical and intelligent to me. <laughs>
0: no, they're not. It's crazy. Like really, they drive up to like checkpoints with a, like a trunk full of weaponry in, in the middle of this, mm-hmm. like millions of troops. And, you know, Stephanie Rule is down there right now in DC. I'm going to be seeing her tomorrow, possibly. Um, and she's doing a story about the vendors that got hit, the restaurants. This would have been a big money making weekend for everyone, even in the middle of the pandemic because of Trump and because of the, the, the backlash he has Created and all this difficulty, uh, and the backlash to the backlash. Essentially, um, they're going to have this problem that they have that nobody gets to go to the inaugural. My kids don't get to go. It's just really sad what's happened here.
1: Yeah, agreed. It's uh, really sad. But back to uh, Netflix. Have you seen Bridgerton?
0: No, not yet. I'm not ready for porn yet. So I will. I oh, will it's assume. total
1: porn. That's, but it's really well produced porn. I said, yeah. I was watching the last one. I'm like, this is like Cinemax on a higher, a better, you know, bigger production budget.
0: Yeah. And the guy is handsome. I thought you'd have a man crush on him. The oh, Duke he's or hot. whatever.
1: Yeah. He's is hot. He? Oh, yeah. Is he's he's a hot. tall drink of lemonade.
0: Is he? Yeah. That's what I heard. That's what I heard. I knew you'd like him. Speaking of, uh, uh of Taldrick Lemonade, which has nothing, I'm trying to make a, a shift, but you know, one of the things we've talked about is how well, uh, people that are, that are getting fit and he is very fit, obviously. Um, but Peloton's facing a backlash from users, uh, for delayed delivery and poor customer service. Um, it's quadrupled in value to almost 40 billion during the t- pandemic. It's a great product. I love my Peloton, mm-hmm. uh, but they're having trouble delivering the goods, delivering the bikes themselves. Well this is, about
1: this is just supply chain Peloton and and this is another reason why I think once Peloton stock comes down there's a decent chance it'll be acquired by a big tech firm most likely uh, Apple.
0: We've talked about that.
1: But if you think of if you think about the sweat industrial complex it's a big big business and it's all been dispersed to people's homes and living rooms and the mirror and all this stuff and Peloton took advantage of that but the supply chain people don't you know, it is hard to assemble a connected device. It's reliant on components coming from all manner of the four corners of the earth. So it's not a, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a surprise they've run into um, supply chain problems. People, one thing people have never really, people know that Apple's a great retailer. They understand that they're a fantastic marketer. Their CEO is a supply chain guy. Their ability to bring uh, $550 of chipsets and sensors together from different regions of China Taiwan and Taiwan in the U.S. and sell it for $1,100, you know, the logistics here are just extraordinary. So I, I, I think it's I think it's more surprising it, it took so long for this supply chain hiccup, but anyways. Yeah,
0: it's interesting, but people love the product. That's the thing. This has Fantastic. happened to a lot of like great products. I remember when the iPhone came out and not everybody you know, had to wait and wait and wait to get it. Yeah.
1: yeah. I think
0: ultimately this will be fine for them, but they really do have to lean heavily into getting the supply chain perfect. In some
1: ways, yeah, it's uh, you know that stuff. I mean, think about. But if you think about really the okay, the most valuable company in the world, Apple, the company that's added, I think, the most market cap. Well, actually, I think it's Apple, but one of the big four, Amazon. What are they? Their victories in supply chain. Everybody talks about blitzscaling and technology, but the if you think about Walmart adding hundreds of billions of value through cook and click and collect. If you think about Apple's ability to put this incredible phone at high margin and and put it in stores around the world, including their 550-year-owned temples. If they, you think about Amazon, the thing that's taken them from kind of 50 billion to, you know, one and a half trillion mm-hmm. was Prime. It's, yeah. it's supply chain. You know, supply we all talk chain. in the 90s. And value. Well, but in the 90s, for a hot minute, it was brand, it was the gangster competence. Mm-hmm. And people like that, and it's controlled the narrative and Starbucks and Nike. But I'll tell you, if you really want to, if you're a young person and you're coming out of school uh, and you want to think about how do I develop a skill set um, that, that foots well to where the market is headed. It is about operations and supply chain, and that's where the real innovation is. People are companies are reallocating capital out of marketing and advertising into distribution, supported by robust, really supply robust chain. Can, it's supply, so sexy, chain. supply chain. So sexy supply chain. <laughs> it's anything but sexy. It's, it's sexy. the opposite of that. It's as sexy as the duke, duke in
0: Bridgerton. Is supply chain as sexy as the duke in Bridgerton.
1: Yeah, no, it's you're right. It is, it's Shonda Rhimes. Is that her name? Shonda
0: Rhimes. Shondaland, yeah. Shondaland,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. She got a quarter of a billion dollars to do porn. That's good for yeah. her.
0: She, uh, you know, you didn't watch the other shows. They were very—
1: What were the other were, shows?
0: They were down that road. She's just gotten the Netflix permission to go even further down the road. Grey's Anatomy? Hello, all of them. She's like a oh, huge— Oh, she was
1: Grey's Anatomy. I never saw Grey's Anatomy. Oh,
0: my goodness. She's like the biggest hitmaker in Hollywood, really, truly. Yeah. You know? After Dick Wolf, I guess they, they, he was also a big uh, hit maker, but,
1: yeah.
0: um, but he's, and that's Law and, the Law and Order series. Yeah. But she is Ga-gonk. like the top level of creator in, in, in Hollywood. And Netflix getting her and this being a big hit is a big deal. Good for her. They paid, they paid up for her. Anyway, we're going to get, oh, by the way, Google, just for so people to know, has completed its acquisition of Fitbit. So it's going to be a really interesting space. Healthcare is going to be an interesting space going forward. And I think you're right. I think Peloton's going to get bought by one of them. Um, And Apple is the best choice because it looks like an Apple device, right? It feels like an Apple. And Apple is actually competing with Peloton with some of the the fitness stuff. Um, But they're definitely in there. We'll see what happens. But we're going to move on to big stories. Obviously, it continues to be. The, the situation with tech companies and politics. Um, Twitter has suspended Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene's account temporarily. The company said she, the well-known QAnon adherent uh, violated the civic integrity policy after posting false information about Trump's election defeat. She's she's a, she's deep into QAnon along with several other new members of Congress. This company policy has also been used to remove thousands of these QAnon-related accounts, which Mar- Marjorie Taylor. Uh, Green has endorsed last week uh, at the Trump impeachment hearing. The congressman wore a face mask that said censored across the front. Uh, I think she's an appalling person and, and should be expelled from Congress, but this is she was voted in here and she continues to spew. Uh, rhetoric that's really demented, actually. Um, Meanwhile, Parler, the social media app that hosted Unbrowled Far Right Message Boards is back online. Uh, The website has a message from CEO John Mates, who I interviewed recently, that says, now seems like the right time to remind you all, both lovers and haters, why we started the platform. We believe privacy is paramount and free speech essential, especially on social media. It goes on to say, we'll resolve any challenge before us and plan to welcome all of you back soon. We will not let civil discourse perish. It's a little bit of a high-handed, high-horse thing from John Mates, who really, you know, he did a really terrible job in his interview with me. And so what do you think, Scott Galloway, of all this? Uh,
1: well, the most dangerous thing about last week wasn't this mob. And I'm parroting Fred Zakaria, my kind of intellectual role model uh, back. Mm-hmm. It's not—the most dangerous thing about last week wasn't the mob. It was the recognition of the realization that a large portion of America believes— is convinced that there was yeah. election interference. We have right. we have begun full Russia where the truth is no longer a thing. And it goes back to that saying that if you can get people to believe absurdities, you can get them to commit atrocities. Yeah. And it's if you think about, and I love this quote and I said it last week, that fascism is essentially the temporary alliance between the elite and the mob. And the mob is going to pay a price here. They are going to be uh, put in jail, I believe. Uh, but mm-hmm. we now have to turn to the elite, and that's the Fox Newses. That's the, um, yeah. that's the representatives who the uh, I don't even call them Senator Holly and Cruz. I call them Sedition Holly and Sedition Cruz, who mm-hmm. knowingly spread misinformation, and also what is where the profane has become the obscene here, is after right. canceling, suspending one account, after Jack Dorsey going through all this hand-wringing and suspending one account 1,449 days into his 1,460-day um, tenure, we have found that just canceling, suspending that one account has reduced yeah. misinformation about this election by 72%. Yeah. So incredible. this bullshit lie that has been propagated by the lipstick on cancer that is Sheryl Sandberg, that is Jack Dorsey, that it would be impossible for us to police these platforms. We always said, That's well, bullshit. it would it would be not it would be expensive, but it would be possible. Well, guess what? I was wrong. It's not even expensive. Yep. One, it's interesting. One account being shut down and seventy-two percent 72% of the misinformation that resulted in effective insurrection and violence has gone. Away, so but no. But wasn't
0: one account. They also they also broke. They also cracked down on a lot of QAnon accounts. This is the same thing. You're right. This this woman allowed to spew this really nonsense and lies is really something. And they that they they act like it's the that it's the height of. uh of, uh, civil discourse at, at parlor is ridiculous. It's just not civil discourse. It's something else. It's cons- and we, we, were, two things that I saw this week. There was a great piece in Politico about how, how Trump thought she and others were crazy, including Sidney Powell, and then sort of fell into the, into the, um, the belief system of these conspiracy theories, how easy it is to be uh, radicalized. And the second one that I think we do leave out, which Ben Smith wrote a fantastic, uh, uh, Column about the lawsuit that that Fox settled. Fox settled, had this, the the guy who was killed in, um, by a, just by a mugger, the Rich family, Seth Rich, and that Fox turned it into this ridiculous evidence free conspiracy theory, um, and then had to do this massive payout that they didn't want to announce until after the election. And there, there's a quote that I think was 100% right that Ben had. There's only one multibillion-dollar media corporation that deliberately and aggressively propagated these untruths. That's Fox Corporation. And I think we there is not enough focus also on cable, um, you know, in terms of cable and what it did, and especially Fox News. And he also wrote, remember... Um, that's the genius of the Murdoch's management of the place. They collect the cash while evading responsibility and letting their hosts work primarily for Mr. Trump. This was Sean Hannity who was doing this. It just, we cannot leave the, the, the echo chamber between these crazy people and Fox News and, and how that fuels the entire, uh, Sort of conspiracy theory, hatred, hate mongering kind of stuff.
1: I got I got shit five years ago for saying the big tech was dangerous. No, you're just jealous of are innovators. Then I got right. a lot of shit for saying that Sheryl Sandberg was bad for women and our country, and that Mark Zuckerberg was a sociopath two years ago. No, you're jealous and and overreacting. Yeah. And and mm-hmm. I, and then I got a lot of shit on Twitter for comparing Hitler to Trump, uh, mm-hmm. or for comparing Trump to Hitler. And everyone likes to think, we've all gotten this cold comfort that, oh, he's been voted out of office, it's over. No, it's not. We put Hitler in prison in the 30s. And guess what? He came back. When you have an individual that has been, uh, it is basically. We didn't. Germans put Hitler in prison. Excuse me, Germans. uh, uh, A modern society that was known as as an, an incredibly productive society that appreciated art, that appreciated (laughs) <laughs> education and everybody keeps mm-hmm. saying it can't happen here. Well guess what? It is happening here. When right. y- y- you can e- effectively decide that you have no fidelity to the truth, you mm-hmm. end up you end up with tyranny. And yep. what has been so shocking and so upsetting and has put us in, in such an uncomfortable place is that the stupid, the people who really have been – who have been co-opted by this, who who believe that despite the 62 cases accusing uh, um, different uh, electoral districts of some sort of fraud or some sort of um, impropriety have been not only rejected, but they wouldn't even be heard because they were so ridiculous. There are still something like 60 percent of Republicans think there was election interference.
0: Yeah. That's because they kept repeating it, the conspiracy theories, and they were more outland. You know, what the problem is the elite – thinks, oh, that's crazy. Venezuela, Hugo Chavez, haha! Like in this massive, there's one that Sidney Powell, this massive conspiracy between India and all these con- con- The I Pelosi the family.
1: Yeah. Whatever, yeah. whatever.
0: It's like, but they they do stick. And one of the things that you have to go watch, there's a New Yorker video of a reporter that was on the scene there. Yeah, I saw that. That is so disturbing what these people think they were doing. And, and the, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's stupid there. I'm like, they believe what they're saying there about you know, that there's a conspiracy. What can we find on these scumbags? There's When nothing's going on, they have convinced themselves that something is. And so what's happened is not just Fox News, but the rest of them is that there was always going to be a conspiracy theory in our world. And look how much damage it did without the amplification of online. Now amplified by online, it is... Look, Hitler didn't need the internet to become Hitler, right? This has created a situation that the far right is using to... to 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 spew conspiracy theories that are going to be impossible to control.
1: Well, every every great tyrant or fascist has had their medium and yeah. Trump and his his cohort. Uh but look, I, I think that I think the FBI and the criminal courts are gonna hold the mob accountable. I'd like to think that voters and maybe the Southern District of New York will hold Trump and his family accountable. It's time for all of those and shareholders to begin holding. These media companies accountable. They okay. knew what they were doing. They they claimed they threw up their arms and said there was nothing we could do. When you know who could solve 90% of the hate speech on Twitter? A <laughs> fucking eighth grader with an old laptop by yeah. just finding the 35 accounts or the 40 accounts that are that because it's not only what you're saying, it's how much influence and how much followership you have, and then in and then income the trolls who have a vested interest. The, the Russians basically outlined this entire strategy. And what the mm-hmm. head of their propaganda machine said was that we never anticipated we wouldn't need to plant the stories. We need to add some fuel, but America yeah. is now creating its own stories. 100%. And there has to be a penalty when you're a senator, when you're a CEO, when you're on the board of directors of a company and you knowingly know, you know, remember all this, we want to give voice to the unheard. And, oh, well, mm-hmm. lying is bad, but I think the person who's the Holocaust denier Uh, Should be heard. No, they shouldn't. There's danger here. There's incredible danger. And this is all from our senators, all from the CEOs of these companies. And then they, they immediately pivoted to, well, there's nothing we can do about it. It would be impossible. And the cost to do it would not only be bankrupt us and innovation and capitalism and our shareholders, but it would be a threat to the First Amendment. And that was all a lie. This is well, not a hard...
0: What do you make of the CEO John Mates sort of on his ridiculous high horse here where she's like, we believe privacy is paramount. We all agreed that. Free speech is essential, especially on social media. We will not let civil discourse perish. I think the part of the matter is it's not civil discourse. It's Well,
1: no, risk. it's... Uh, okay, I, I buy all of that. I buy all that. What yeah. I also buy, though is that when you knowingly create a platform that traffics and profits from misinformation and lies that result in a capital Police law enforcement officer being bludgeoned by a fucking fire extinguisher, you okay. bear some responsibility. Yeah. And
0: So what do you do? What do you do about the Fox News as well? Because I think you can't leave them out of it. I think one of the things internet people have always said is like, well, TV is just as bad. And I'm like, in some cases, that is the case. So how do you end that without like, quashing... Free speech in some fashion.
1: I don't. I just don't think we have conflated freedom of speech with freedom of reach. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I believe that Tucker Carlson should be allowed to say these things. But the problem is when you have a for-profit company that knowingly spreads misinformation and creates yeah. uh, inflammatory rhetoric, that results in violence and insurrection. We have laws that said that that media company, especially if it's not protected by 230, is liable so i'm not denying the right to say it nor am i denying that family of that police officer who was bludgeoned by a fire extinguisher the ability to sue a company that knew they were spreading misinformation and that resulted in the in in violence and death i think there is a system i think these companies have have wrapped themselves in the innovators blanket or 230 or we have been afraid to go after this
0: what does the innovators blanket look like
1: it's simple. It's i r I'm an innovator and I write about personal loss and gender equality and I'm a capitalist. And oh my God, do you own my stock? You've done really well. Or I go on silent retreats and have a beard and a nose ring and speak in slow, hushed tones, which must mean I'm a thoughtful person. No, you're not, motherfucker. You are you are a menace. Jack Dorsey is a menace. And civil and criminal courts, much less his direct much less his shareholders, need to hold him and his board accountable. We are not gonna move past this unless the bandits, the people that know they're damaging America but profiting off of it, stop leveraging the stupids, the people that damage themselves and damage society, unless we align incentives with externalities and the health of the Commonwealth. And we have been so fucking crazy overwhelmed with this idolatry of innovators, that we have, we have put it on hold and this woke bullshit notion that we need to understand both sides. No, we don't. We need to put these people in jail. They have committed crimes that has resulted in violence and death to innocents. Yep.
0: I I, I feel your pain. So what's <laughs> going to happen? So, what, what, you know, what if Peter let Let's Thiel talk about has, that hot guy. Let's talk about yeah. the hot duke. <laughs> We can look at the hot Duke and also be angry at these. We have an ability, Scott, to like a hot Duke and also be like, what the hell, Facebook? What the hell, Fox News? Um, do you see people like Peter Thiel investing in alternative? What, how is Parler going to come back? They're just as simple. I mean, in a lot of ways, they, they, I think this guy is just an appalling CEO and he's, he's really quite ignorant. Um, but I think he's been made a scapegoat of, uh, even though he's returning with you know whatever whatever John whatever, um, he has been made a scapegoat to take all the all the pressure off the off the bigger companies who I think are much more responsible.
1: Yeah, just as just like as
0: Fox News, like Twitter, like Facebook,
1: it's the heat shield. So. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Shell Sandberg's likability is a heat shield for Mark Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg is a heat shield for, for Tim Cook, who becomes very indignant saying, you know, uh, about monopoly power and security. They all become heat shields. And quite frankly, Parler is the gift that keeps on giving for Facebook and Google because they can go, oh my gosh, they're awful, <laughs> right? And everyone yeah. gets angry at them because they're worse and they're smaller. And by the way, Facebook has 50, uh, Facebook has increased the number of lawyers in its legal department uh, by 50% in the last 24 yep. months. And so they can th- – they're the new bad guy. The, uh, who benefited more from Facebook than Google who just kind of sat back and said, oh, yeah, Mark Zuckerberg. That's awful what they're yep. doing, right? So yep. everybody's looking for a new heat shield. Look at him. Look at what they're doing. It's worse. And the reality is
0: – I got to say, if I had to pick yep. Mark Zuckerberg and Rupert Murdoch, Rupert Murdoch more.
1: Yeah, I think he just has less power but
0: he's kind of like it has to be Mark I think Dorsey sure but I think it's definitely Mark Zuckerberg definitely Rupert Murdoch and they are the twin poles of where we are right now benefiting from this I think Mark is earnest and doesn't can't believe this has happened. I think Rupert Murdoch knows just what he's doing. So, um, you know, really, if I had to think of the an international worldwide villain, it would be Rupert Murdoch because it's not just here. It's in Britain. It's in Australia. It's in lots of places of freedom. And this guy has just decimated it with his practices.
1: Well, there's just sort of different levels. If you think about the analogy of Uh, People who drunk drive have have driven on average drunk 200 times before they kill somebody or get a DUI. I mean, Zuckerberg's been at the bar drinking and driving. Rupert for 40 years has been doing shots behind the wheel. He's a very bright (laughs) man. He knows what he's doing. He, He absolutely... And they're very calculated. They when they 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 when they use the language around conspiracy theories, they say it's been reported that right. It's been reported
0: that yeah. And some people say.
1: Some people say, or uh, uh, people close to the matter say, uh, they have yeah. been very good at going just past the line, trusting they
0: uh, Well, they had to pay up to Seth Rich's family, and that was that, that wasn't the beginning of it, but it was one of the moments where they just literally Sean Hannity just lied. And so did Lou Dobbs, another winner over there. Um, and they they paid up. They keep, that, that's the same thing they do around sexual harassment. They just pay up. That's what they've been doing is just paying up for their. And it's a cost of doing business for these people to to lay waste to our democracy. Is a cost. Well, of doing that's
1: business. exactly right. And it goes to the algebra. It goes to the algebra of disincentives. And we do not is that have your next
0: book, The Algebra of Disincentives. No,
1: my next book's called The Algebra of Wealth: Strategies for Personal and Economic Satisfaction. Anyways. Really? No, but the algebra we we could never have the in East Germany at one point, one out of every three government officials was just spying on other citizens or encouraged yeah. citizens to spy on other citizens, and they still couldn't keep a lid on it. So yeah. we cannot police all of this no matter how much money we put into the FTC, the DOJ. Yes, we have to have an algebra deterrence. And the algebra deterrence is the most powerful cop in the world and it says the following the likelihood you get caught times the penalty right is greater than the expected risk adjusted upside and where the yeah. algebra of deterrence is working really well is that if someone calls me and says, "Hey, for hundred grand, uh, and I'll donate money to the crew team, I'll get your kid into I'll get your kid into USC," I'm slamming that phone because Aunt Becky did a perp walk, and the prospect that someone does a perp walk to try and get their kid into college has cleaned yeah. up immediately all of this bullshit around pretending your daughter rose crew. It has worked perfectly. There needs to be a perp walk. The algebra, of, de- the algebra so, of deterrence so needs going to be implemented. Now listen,
0: I'm going to interrupt you because I think we're going to be talking about that which which with, with someone who comes next and what we can do uh, in a second. Um, one of the things I think that's the most disturbing uh, story of all the many stories that have been around today is – that the, that the FBI had to do a vetting of the National Guard that's protecting them all. It is a depressing scene, and they're worried about uh, conspiracy theorists within the National Guard. It's just really quite depressing. And, and so you're going to see a lot more tougher regulation in, in Biden's Washington, as the Washington Post has a new story, Silicon Valley Braces for tougher regulation and, and Biden's Washington. So we're gonna bring on, we're gonna take a quick break. And when we come back, we're gonna talk to a friend of Pivot, someone I know very well, FTC Commissioner Rebecca Slaughter. Scott, we're back and we have someone who I really have a lot of regard for, someone I know a little bit, uh, Federal, uh, Federal Trade Commissioner Rebecca Slaughter. Rebecca is on the Democratic side. And now that the the administration will be the Biden administration will certainly have a lot more power. The FTC actually, even with the Republicans in charge, has had a pretty good uh, commissioner who's they've been pretty strong. They are just under under overwhelmed and under resourced. So, Rebecca, welcome to uh, Pivot. Thanks so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. So one of the things uh, last month, the FTC initiated an antitrust lawsuit against Facebook. Um, how, do, when you're looking at all that's happened right now, you, you live in Washington, you're seeing what's going on at the Capitol in terms of like it looks like Fortress Washington. A lot of it has to do with a lot of the uh, the hate speech that goes on in these platforms, and then of course there's the antitrust issues. Wh- where where are we going to go from here with the Federal Trade Commission and the federal government with relation to tech companies?
2: I think it's a great question. And I think uh, we are seeing the intersection right now of a lot of really important and really difficult issues. Um, In terms of where the Federal Trade Commission goes, I think there are a few things on our agenda. Obviously, we filed one big antitrust case Mm -hmm. that will proceed through the courts. We will do other investigations and file other cases as appropriate. Um, And I think we take the very big and very real questions we've heard about outsized monopoly power by large tech platforms really seriously. Mm -hmm. A lot of them present novel legal issues, and we have to work our way through those. Um, But just because they're new doesn't mean they're not real. So that's one area. The second area I would say is we have a lot of Large tech companies under order right now with the Federal Trade Commission for different right. kinds of violations, privacy, for example. Uh, we need to make sure that those orders are being complied with. We need to be following up with enforcement actions where they're not. And that needs to be a top priority. And so then the under research. Sorry, go
0: ahead. Right? Oh, so go ahead. Finish. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. And then the third thing I was going to say is where we have new investigations, we need to make sure that our enforcement strategy focuses on effective deterrence. Right. We just shouldn't keep coming back to the same table with the same companies again and again and again. Right. And that means maybe taking companies to court rather than settling on inadequate terms sometimes. It may mean with partnering at at other levels of government as we did with the state AGs in the Facebook case. Um, I think you were about to reference Kara, the fact that we're pretty dramatically under-resourced, and that's true. That means that we need to be really smart about our enforcement strategy and make sure that each federal dollar we spend goes as far as it can in making sure we don't have to spend more federal dollars to do more enforcement. So Scott, I'll have a question a minute, but talk about the under-resourced, because one of the things is the Federal Trade Commission, compared to a lot of
0: agencies, you had a commissioner that really pushed through, he's a Republican, that pushed through this Facebook thing. It wasn't as politicized as other. There's a little bit of that, but it's more, it's more an issue of resources, correct?
2: Yeah. So, so as you were referencing, our Republican chairman, Joe Simons, was one of the votes in favor of the Facebook case. Mm -hmm. Um, And his motto, since he got to the agency, has been vigorous enforcement. And I think he's taken that seriously. We don't agree on everything, but we've brought a lot of cases in a lot of different areas. And that's important but the resource question is real and material and impacts every decision that we make. One statistic I like to talk about a lot is the fact that at the beginning of the Reagan administration, we had 50% more employees at the Federal Trade Commission than we do today. Another thing to think about, over the last 10 years, the number of merger filings that we've gotten, mergers Mm -hmm. that we could potentially investigate, has doubled. And I haven't done the math on our latest budget round, but before this point, as the filings had doubled, our budget had increased about 10%. Mm-hmm. So the workload is really not, or the budget is not keeping pace with the workload. So and they're swamping. They're essentially it's swamping. swamping. Yes. Yeah. They're flooding the zone. And I don't think um, the under-resourcing is accidental. Uh, so I think it's important that we make clear that we need more money. Now, let me pause with a plug of appreciation for the outgoing past last Congress Mm -hmm. um, that gave us two budget bumps two years in a row at a time when That wasn't happening everywhere. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's real and material and important and has allowed us to basically keep treading water rather than having to cut back even further. So uh, that counts for a lot. And we are enormously, enormously grateful. But it isn't enough to let us jump forward in enforcement the way I think we need to to keep pace with the demands of the market. Scott?
1: Scott? Yeah, we were just talking. First off, Commissioner Slaughter, I just feel safer knowing that uh, CEOs and media companies occasionally might get a call from someone saying, "Commissioner Slaughter is on the line." That is so badass. <laughs> Seriously, that is Thanks. well done. Um,
2: so we, we were I talking. Mean, I like. We were talking about the
1: uh, algebra of deterrence. Isn't uh, when Milken broke the law as uh, he was a billionaire, but. Basically, my understanding is as lawyers said, you're up against the DOJ, and they have more resources than we do, and now that's flipped. And effectively, the smart thing to do is to break the law because, uh, and I'll point to one of your cases, you find Facebook $5 billion, my understanding is indemnified them for any misdoings along those lines up until that point. And if someone showed up at my door and offered me an insurance policy that indemnifies me for 1% of my market cap, it strikes me that these agencies have unwittingly become a co-conspirator versus a countervailing force. Haven't haven't we become uh, flaccid, anemic? Uh, you know, isn't the smart thing to do to break the law?
2: Well, that was exactly my concern with the Facebook settlement. Which Stop, you voted I against. Wrote, okay. Yeah, I voted against it, and I wrote a pretty long um, d- uh, dissent that. I could have said in as few words as you just said right there, but it was basically that while $5 billion may sound like a lot of money, and it certainly sounds like a lot of money to me, the individual, it was not in this case enough to make the cost of lawbreaking uh, not worth doing. And and particularly when it comes to the um, what you refer to as the indemnification. So I think that that's, that's something I'm really, really concerned about. I said in my dissent that I would have rather... We took them to court if that was the best deal that we could get from the company. It's important to understand that we as an agency don't have the ability to just issue mm-hmm. a fine, even where we think that the company has violated the law. We have to either take them to court and get a judge to determine an appropriate fine or make an agreement with them about what a fine and negotiate yeah. with them what a fine they're willing to pay is. But it's it's fair to stipulate in this case that few companies are willing to pay a fine that is not profitable for Mm -hmm. them. So, So it's important for us to think about what the actions we take are and what message that it sends, not only to the specific company, but to the market in general. I think you're right that a lot of companies think it might be worth it to dare us to take them to court. But I will point out in the last... Couple months of 2020, we filed at least three merger challenges where we said to companies who are trying to merge, no, we think this merger is illegal and we will take you to court. Uh, They sort of dared us to do that. And when we did, they walked away from Mm -hmm. the mergers. They said, oh, wait, we don't think we're going to win on the law. We don't want to go through this process in court. And they walked away. So Our willingness to go to court and make those demands publicly, I think, is an important part of our ability to be deterrent.
0: So talk about the Facebook lawsuit. They have not they have not walked away or done anything yet. What is the theory behind it?
2: No, uh, we're still pretty early in that case. And there are public complaints out there. But the the general theory that it articulates that you could read in the complaints are um, that Facebook engaged in a practice of monopolization, uh, where they took the the perspective that it was better to buy or bury potential competitors than to mm-hmm. actually compete with them. And two of the acquisitions that the suits highlight are um, Instagram and WhatsApp. But those are not the only acquisitions. Right. So looking at some
0: of the small acquisitions too. Correct. That's that's yeah. fascinating to me. The small the killer the killer acquisitions essentially.
2: Yeah, the lawsuit talks about um, basically a pattern of behavior ongoing over many years that includes not just these big, well-known acquisitions, mm-hmm. um, but the the general approach of the company that um, rather than competing, they would rather buy competition and take it off the marketplace. And that's not what our antitrust laws are want companies to do. We want companies to get out there and vigorously crush their competition by providing a better product and better services for consumers. So so
0: one of the questions I ask when you, does it change dur- the FTC during the Trump administration? Can you just explain what happens with the FTC? There's five commissioners. Ha- what happens next with the commission? And then how does that change under the Biden administration? A lot of this attitude.
2: Sure. So uh, the FTC is an independent commission, which is a sort of odd creature of government. Rather than having a single head who's a part of the executive branch, we have five commissioners who are all presidentially appointed and Senate confirmed. And by tradition, uh, three of them come from the party of the president and two of them come from the opposition party. So I, Rohit Chopra and I were the Democratic commissioners over the last several years um, obviously appointed by Trump, but representing a different party. And then there were three commissioners, including the chairman from the Republican Party. Uh, no one. The chairman hasn't made any announcements about his plans. But traditionally, chairmen of agencies step down when their parties lose, in part yeah, because the that's been p- incoming. has been reported. Yeah, it, it, in part because the incoming president can designate anyone else as the chairman. Um, and so, if that happens, as has happened traditionally, then there would be two Republican commissioners left uh, and a Democratic seat to fill. With either a chairman or an additional commissioner, depending on who the president wants to put in charge of the agency. And Mr. Chopra has gone to the Consumer
0: Financial Protection Board. correct? Yes, we're
2: right. very happy, very happy for my colleague, Commissioner Chopra, who who is uh, nominated this morning or his nomination was announced this morning to lead the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, where I think he will do a terrific job, although he will be sorely missed at the FTC um, when he is confirmed over there. There will be an additional vacancy on the Democratic side at the FTC. Uh, my hope is that those things happen in pretty close order so that the Democrats don't become the minority party at the FTC, even as they have the presidency. But
0: you have to. You will get the you will get control of that. Either you or someone else will become the commissioner, correct? And there'll be two I, more it, Democrats.
2: Yes, exactly. There will be a Democratic chair and then the president will appoint and the Senate will confirm additional seats. Um, so there will be three Democrats. the I, the timeline for that is anybody's guess um, in the Trump administration. We didn't get the new slate of commissioners in until almost eighteen months into the administration. I was part of that group. All of us were part of that group. Um, but I would expect and hope that we'd move a lot faster.
1: Commissioner, now. what if you think about a lot of the controversy has been over how we distinguish or we create, Um, And I don't know if they're uh, real distinctions or ones that we have just made up in the abstract, but that that we regulate and think of interactive platforms and traditional media companies differently, and we regulate them differently. Do you think that they should be regulated differently? Uh, What do you think of that delta? Should that delta exist?
2: It's an interesting question. I think what you're referring to, Scott, and you tell me if you're pointing at something different, is, for example, um, we have lots of regulations over broadcast and newspaper ownership and things like that, and we don't yeah. have similar regulations when it comes to um, edge providers who are involved in news and media dissemination. Is that that's what you're yeah, referring to? Yeah, everything from
1: cable companies being regulated to liable law. I mean, it just sounds like they get to play by a different set of rules.
2: Uh, yeah, well, I think that you know a lot of rules and regulations that apply today were developed before these platforms and the edge providers even existed. Much less right. had the kind of market power that they have today. And when they were
1: nascent technologies, wasn't nascent. that the wasn't that the wording?
2: <laughs> yeah, if they were if they were even nascent technologies, right? right. Sometimes right. you know some of the telecom laws we operate under date back to the 1930s. So uh, you know they go pretty far back. And it's true that they have not been adequately updated. There is clearly a robust, I was gonna say healthy, but I will start with robust debate in Congress about how and when and where those laws should be changed and what they should do to protect it. But my general view is yes, we should update our laws to keep pace with our markets. When the laws don't reflect market realities, that's a problem, it's a problem.
0: So, so I have two more questions, and Scott might have a final one. Is You're looking out that uh, you are in Fortress, Washington. I'm going back there today. I'm in New York right now. Um, When you look at what has happened, all these conspiracy theories, the power, I always focus on, everyone always focuses on uh, free speech and everything else. I focus on the power of these companies being so big and having such an impact and the dissemination happening. How, what do you think is the when you look at this, when you look at Washington right now, federal Washington right now is terrifying. How how much blame do these companies, because it is about their power and you're talking about their power, not about their impact. How do you sort those two things out?
2: Yeah, I I think it's a really good point, Kara, and I do tend to see it the same way. I mean, there's a lot of question right now about was it the right decision for various companies to deplatform Trump or de-platform conservatives? And I think that that's not necessarily the right question to be asking, because obviously it was the right question to take away content that was inciting violent insurrection and the violent overthrow of government. I don't think that's a close call. But the more complicated question is, What do we do about a society where that power lies in the hands of individual corporations and we have to rely on them to do the right thing? That's an enormous amount of power that's operating independently. And one thing I find um, a little troubling and a little bit ironic is that many of the same folks who are complaining about the deplatforming of conservatives and the effort to silence Conservatives are the same ones who defend the rights of the market to operate freely and the same ones who resist government intervention and regulation of free market decisions or resist antitrust enforcement. So I think it's a, um, I think what we're seeing is the problem with that market power from a different perspective right now. Um, so I think the decisions were right here, but the questions that they raise are really, really big and profound for society.
1: So as a, a citizen, I, I mean, obviously your your experience of the FTC will inform this answer, but just as a citizen, as a parent, I don't know if you're a parent, as a, uh, an aunt, a parent, whatever it might be, someone who's concerned with the well-being of, of, of kids. She has a lot as, of kids. Uh, no. There you go. Oh, so she as, and I have a lot
0: of kids, but go as ahead. As a
1: parent. Uh, uh, a citizen, a capitalist, or you're a capitalist what platforms or media companies, let's group them all into loosely media companies, and I believe the platforms are media companies, do you find are are the most troubling as a citizen and a parent?
2: That is such a good question. So first of all, I have four kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and they range from an infant to a third grader who's doing Zoom school from our house. If two mm-hmm. elementary school kids were doing Zoom school from our house, um, and I have very much grappled with how to, um, I, even before the pandemic, I grappled with how to manage their online lives and introduce them to technology to use for good instead of for uh, evil and it's gotten worse in the pandemic as they have moved more and more online and so i worry a lot about content that they might be exposed to that is damaging dangerous disruptive uh and particularly that might be out of my own view so for Mm -hmm. example i will be honest i have blocked youtube on all of their devices because i don't know what they're going to get or how they're going to get it and what they're going to see and i can't be monitoring them full-time. Uh, they are fortunately too young to be on social media sites mm-hmm. like Facebook or Instagram, um, but I will have a lot of concern when they get to the point where they're militating to be on those because I worry about the messages that they will get. Um, I worry honestly a lot about my daughter and you know the images that she sees that help help her define or could undefine her sense of self self worth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think there are a that lot of that sounds like Instagram. Yeah, yeah, I mean there are yes. I think there are a lot of vectors of concern here mm-hmm. um, for me as a parent, and mm-hmm. figuring out uh, how to manage that is difficult. And part of why I have a real problem with the sort of Law the current legal regime around data right now is it puts all the burden on the parents and all the burden Mm -hmm. on the consumers to figure out what is going on, uh, what data is being collected, how it's being used, how it's being turned around to manipulate or sell things to um, people, whether they be adults or children. And that's that is not a realistic expectation. Yeah,
1: the whole the whole antitrust Bork notion of, of consumer pricing, our prices, the prices being levied on parents is absolutely skyrocketed. It's, it's absolutely skyrocketed.
0: It's a tax. All right, Rebecca, I have one final question. When you look out at the conspiracy theories and everything else that's led to where we are today— do you think the lack of regulation is at the heart of this, or do you think it's something? Just there's always been conspiracy theories. Every society, from Nazi Germany to the Salem witch trials, there's all always conspiracy theories everywhere. I feel like these companies, in their size and scope, have made have amplified them. But Fox, you could there was a story the Seth Rich case was settled just just the other day, and it it led to all kinds of conspiracy theories. It, does our government have the ability to regulate this? And and I don't want to say should it, but does it have the ability to control what's been unleashed?
2: Well, I think what we have to go back to all the time is not the content, but also, like, why is that content spreading so virally? And and really, at the end of the day, with every business, the question you have to ask is, uh, what's the business model? How are you following the money? How is the business model here at the selling of advertising contributing to um, per, to the dissemination of clickbaity and worse content in order to get more eyeballs, in order to get more clicks, in order mm-hmm. to keep people online? And how is that cycle really damaging um, mm-hmm. to, to our social fabric as much as anything else? That's what I worry about, that um, the mass, you know, the... Broad surveillance in order to support a targeted, micro-targeted advertising system is one mm-hmm. that necessarily lends itself to, to this
0: enragement.
2: This kind, yeah, this kind of um incitement of explosive content because it gets people online, it gets them watching and talking more. And so I don't think that we can come up with content-only solutions. I don't think it's about regulating content. I think it's about thinking about what's the underlying motivation for that content to spread the way that it has spread and cause some of the damage that it has caused. So those are big, complicated questions, but if we're not... Looking at the root of the issue, we're definitely not going to be able to solve them.
0: One hundred percent, Scott. Last question.
1: Well, no, I just want to remind you that uh, being uh, being a commissioner for the FTC in these times and living in D.C. with four children under the age of eight, you don't live in the nation's capital. You're in Vietnam, Rebecca Slaughter, and I'm talking about the Vietnam of the late '60s. Well, the not the just, good. I Vietnam. think that was
0: your. That was a thing that just went by a helicopter. It was literally
1: a
2: helicopter that just flew. I over can't my house, imagine. That you probably heard you as have you were your saying. Ship- vietnam scott
1: <laughs> you have your shit more together than anyone i know four kids yeah. under the age of eight
2: <laughs> and you're gonna take down facebook and Yes, you're going my house facebook. my house listen That's nothing could be more chaotic than the house in which i live right now so oh i feel like if i God. can get through the day here i can manage other things my my daughter's teacher used to say kindergartners can do hard things and i say that all the time if kindergartners can do hard things FTC commissioners can do hard things, too. Uh,
1: so uh, just a quick question. How? Do, just give us a cliff notes. How did you end up at the FTC as a commissioner? What's the career path to that? Uh,
2: well, it's, it's different for everybody, but I spent the 10 years before I was at the FTC working for Senator Schumer uh, in yep. the United States Senate as his chief counsel, first on the Judiciary Committee and then in his leadership office, where my portfolio included a lot of things, but especially oversight of... Um, the FTC and policy work around privacy, technology, antitrust, and related issues. So I got a really strong background in policy on the issues that the FTC deals with.
0: Well, get him on board, Rebecca. I know he's a little too friendly as far as I'm concerned to them, but uh, is there a company, is there an area, Leslie, that you're going to? There's obviously Facebook and Google have been targeted, has been targeted by uh, by the Justice Department. Who's next?
2: Well, I definitely am not going to say anything about any non public investigations, but I will say this right. if there are big questions out there about the behavior of companies, tech or otherwise, from either a competition or consumer protection standpoint, we want to know about them and I want us to be investigating them. So, you know, we take those things really seriously and the public debate and discussion around them, I think, is helpful to highlight and raise issues that we should be thinking about and help us consider how we should be thinking about them.
0: Well, on that note, we are going to end. Rebecca, you're amazing. I I told Scott this was the case, and I'm so glad there's so many, there's such a a canard that a lot of our public officials don't understand these major issues and think they're important and want to protect citizens, and they do. Thank you for your good
1: work, Commissioner Slaughter.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for
2: having me. I really appreciate it.
0: All right, Scott. Isn't she impressive? See, don't you feel a little better about our government? Yeah, I always
1: do uh, when we speak to these in- in incredibly talented people who forego hard working, who who forego uh, you know the opportunity to make she could be working for yeah, Facebook, hundred percent be because Apple. they want to do the right thing. She could make
0: bank. She could make bank doing that. And there's a lot of really dedicated and, and public we officials. And we we
1: have to stop desecrating, and we have to escape from the screed started in the Reagan administration. That, that government is bad and that the people that go into government aren't aren't competent people. Are uh, Some are, but not really. Um, I think that there's a lot of
0: people that break into our government are bad and write, a, you know, and scroll fair threatening enough. notes to the speaker of the house. Anyway, we're going to do one more quick break. We'll be back for wins and fails. OK, Scott wins and fails. I'm going to let you do this. Like, I think the I'm going to do the first failure is the fact that um, that our nation's capital is a fortress. That's it. That's just there's there's no winning this week on that. And the win is, of course, Biden will be uh, finally inaugurated after all the Michigas Trump has tried to pull.
1: Well, my fail is because we don't realize we're so obviously the house is on fire. So we don't have time to pay attention to the fact that you know, the house next door is on fire. It, it, it's always been said America can't be the world's cop, but we have been this source of good and a wonderful enforcer. And there was always a notion that America is watching. I don't think had it not been for this mob and the total um, desecration of our 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 moral authority, I don't think Alexei Navalny would have been arrested at the airport in Moscow. I don't, there's yeah. a fantastic doc- Yeah. Oh, There's a guy. fantastic documentary um, called "The Dissident" about Khashoggi. I don't think MBS under a different administration would have started killing uh, American residents and journalists. agree.
0: That guy going into Russia, I thought oh arrested my God. at the
1: airport and
0: arrested at the, and the court. They're having a kangaroo court And the general, and the the general notion the is,
1: oh, we, they used to be worried about America. They said, well, America could could put economic sanctions on us they could they could start arresting our yeah. diplomats and now they're like they're not going to do the right thing. We don't have to worry about them. They have people storming their capital. So this yeah. has this has just so many this is this is you know an opportunistic infection that creates all sorts of disease around the world. And it's it, it's just incredibly we are going to be paying the price for this. Uh, and so will the seven billion people on this planet. There will be fewer vaccinations because of misinformation. There will be more uh, girls who don't go to school in in developing nations. Yep. Uh, and there will be more corruption, yep. and there will be less freedom around the world because because we Agreed. are no longer the world's uh, uh, force of good and have lost that moral authority. And I, I realize that's that's pretty much Debbie Down. My win. Yep. Is uh, yeah. Uh, political philosopher, uh, Hannah Arendt. I did not know her and oh. I've been getting, people have been sending me. What? uh, uh I, I didn't know her, Famous. I know. Hey, Who you can, can take no the school? boy out of the fraternity. 2.27 oh GPA out of UCLA. God. And by the way. Okay.
0: All right. Okay, let me hear. Well, I, I'm excited to hear well, what you have I to just, say
1: about him. I just, I keep forward to these quotes and I'm, I'm, the aim of the totalitarian education has never been to instill convictions, but to destroy the capacity to form any. Under conditions of tyranny, it is far easier to act than to think. Uh, the ideal subject of totalitarian rule is not to convince Nazi or communists, but people for whom the distinction between fact and fiction and the distinction between true and false no longer exist. The po- Another one, the point is that both Hitler and Stalin held out promises of stability in order to hide their intention of creating a state of permanent instability. I just think this—I think this woman. I'm just so—I think this woman is a genius, and I'm embarrassed I didn't know about it. I'm reading—I'm reading her stuff now. But I think uh, she was a gift to the 20th century, and her work is getting new examination and new oxygen. Anyways, my win is uh, Hannah Arendt. <laughs>
0: Okay, I think one of her. I studied her quite a bit. Um, well, of I course did. you did. Well, I studied of course Holocaust you did. Studies and propaganda. How could you not? She was. A, she was a great. Uh, she had a lot to talk about in totalitarianism and, and quotes and things like that. Uh, one of my favorite uh, is. Uh, I just found it again. Is the earth is the very quintessence of the human condition. We are where we are because of who we are, and maybe we need to look a little bit harder at ourselves because this is not an accident. What's happening right now
1: well that's that's yeah the world isn't what it is it's what we make of it um yeah, yeah anyways seconds.
0: Quintessence, look it that, up,
1: Scott. That and that hot guy. Maybe the hot you should duke. go to
0: college and teach my son. I'm going to make him show up at your class if you show up at all, Scott. 2.27 2.
1: to... GPA, UCLA, and still uh, got into grad school. Okay. And still got into grad school. If
0: only you were a professor at a major privilege. university. Hello, white learn. privilege. I mean, if there's a university you were affiliated with where you could learn about people like Hannah Arendt, Arendt and others. Um, anyway. I feel
1: shamed. I feel shamed. You should. You should feel okay. shamed. I'm
0: going to give you a whole reading list. It's coming to you right now. Okay, Scott, that's the show. I was so impressed with uh, Rebecca and uh, Commissioner Slaughter. Uh, and we will have more interesting people coming up on Pivot in the coming weeks. And hopefully this time when we tape on Monday, the Trump administration will be over and we are on to a new thing. So let's hope for better days ahead.
1: Yeah, but let's let's be mindful that his administration is over, but Trump and disinformation, Agreed. but let's and, take yeah. a
0: minute. It's over. OK,
1: okay. all right.
0: Go to nymag.com dot com slash pivot. It's over for now to submit your question for the Pivot podcast. The link is also in our show notes. Read us out, Scott.
1: Today's show was produced by Rebecca Sinanis. Ernie Indratat engineered this episode. Thanks also to Hannah Rosen and Drew Burrows. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or, frankly, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you liked our show, please recommend it to a friend. Thanks for listening to Pivot from the New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back later this week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. The hot duke, or as I like to call him, the hook the hook. Enjoy the inauguration, everybody.